Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it's another Mental Health Monday. One bright spot to come out of the pandemic was that many employers began to take the psychological well-being of their employees seriously. Are they still? And what could they still be doing better? Also this morning, dozens of colleges, universities, technical schools, and more will provide prospective students and their families with career planning resources at one of the area's largest college night events. The Owens Community College Findlay Campus will get details. And for anyone planning a spring or summer vacation, the tourism board of Newfoundland and Labrador want to invite you to explore Canada's best-kept secret. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, March 6th, 2023. 14 days until spring now. Two weeks to go until we officially enter the new season. Although, again, as we were talking about last week, we have already reached meteorological spring. The weather people already consider this spring as of March 1st. They go right by the calendar months. It's like uh, uh, December, January, February. That's winter. March, April, May, that's spring, and then June 1st will hit meteorological summer, even though, again, on the calendar, doesn't start until uh, later than that. But anyway, I I think the meteorologists actually have it closer to being right than does the, uh, the calendar based on the uh, solstice and the equinox and, and all of that, because I have noticed in our yard already uh, we have one tree in our front yard that always starts to bud earlier than every other one, and it's already starting to pop out, and uh, we have a bush in our side yard that uh, is already starting to bud as well. So, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, another day of spring showers today as well, and as we mentioned, and my, my wife and I were out running errands uh, this weekend, and we noticed the uh, Girl Scouts were out uh, selling their cookies at uh, various stores and, and so on. You get, uh, uh, you get hit with the uh, Girl Scout cookie uh, offers there. Um, this is kind of interesting, though, breaking news with respect to the uh, Girl Scout cookies. Like everyone else, they're dealing with supply chain issues, apparently. Little Brownie Bakers, uh, which is one of the companies responsible for cookie production, they actually uh, bake the cookies. Little Brownie Bakers put out a press release saying that supply chain issues could impact the distribution of Samoas and the Toffee Tastic cookies. The issue will be felt primarily by those who order the cookies online. So those are the lowest, apparently, in the pecking order uh, for their orders to be filled. So if you have placed an order with an actual scout, then you will probably be okay. But if you have ordered them online, digital orders may take longer to deliver to deliver than normal. Uh, we know that cookie sales are critical when funding Girl Scout programs and uh, the Girl Scouts organization working hard with Little Brownie Bakers to ensure a successful season for our girls, according to a press release from the Girl Scouts. So, you know, the point of the Girl Scout cookie sales, I mean, to raise funds, obviously, but also to teach uh, these uh, young ladies, these scouts, about the realities 
of, you know, selling and the business world and so on. And the realities of the business world are we have supply chain issues that we have to deal with. So it is a, a life lesson, I guess. Um, speaking of uh, things that always happen right around this time of year, applications for the 2023 World's Ugliest Dog Competition officially went live this weekend. According to the website, the goal is to celebrate the imperfections that make all dogs special and unique. The annual World's Ugliest Dog Contest is not about making fun of ugly dogs, but having some fun with the wonderful characters that they are and showing the world that these dogs are really beautiful. According to the uh, World's Ugliest Dog website, those wishing to take place in the competition must file an application including a photo, short biography, and vaccination records, because we want to make sure that these ugly dogs are healthy. The official competition scheduled to take place June 23rd in Sonoma, California. So, I don't know if you're a finalist, uh, whether you get a uh, whether you get an expenses paid trip or whether you have to pay for your pooch to head to California on your own. But I guess you can check out the website for the world's ugliest dog competition and all of the answers there. Getting things started on your Monday morning. Hopefully, you had a good weekend. Uh, if you are dragging a bit on Monday, and it's certainly not unusual for people to, you know, be a little less than motivated on a Monday, and that could be because you need to get more sleep. And here is a bonus. If you get more sleep, it'll be easier to eat healthy. Researchers from the University of Pittsburgh found that those who slept better more likely to stick to their diets. The study involved 125 middle-aged adults tracked participants who were overweight or obese during a year-long fitness program, and those who slept well were more likely to attend group sessions, <laughs> probably because they, they didn't oversleep, uh, more likely to, intend, to attend group sessions, stick to their diet, and perform more physical activity. What was interesting about that, that finding in the study is that they weren't necessarily looking at sleep as a factor. It was just they discovered it through the course of the study. It's not what they were actually studying. They said, we did not intervene on sleep health in this study, but these results suggest that optimizing sleep may lead to a better may lead to better lifestyle modification adherence. That's a scientific speak way of saying you get enough sleep, you're going to stick to your diet. That's so there you go. If you need a uh, another reason to get more sleep, it'll help you stick to your diet. Because this is the uh, time of the year, obviously, when by now a lot of people have, uh, you know, just dropped their New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions? Oh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, remember those? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. A couple of other uh, interesting items among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories for your Monday morning. Um, it was our Mental Health Monday feature this morning. Uh, as we were mentioning a little bit earlier, one bright spot to come out of the pandemic was that many employers began to take the mental health of their employees seriously. 
During the peak of the pandemic, many schools around the nation, even Ivy League schools, suspended their requirements that applicants submit SAT and or ACT scores to be considered for admission. You remember? Well, now at least one Ivy League school might be making that change permanent. Columbia University in New York is now testing or or is now fully test optional, Uh, meaning students who choose not to submit test scores to the school's undergraduate college and school of engineering will not be at a disadvantage when it comes to admission. Uh, This is the statement I'm quoting here. The holistic and contextual application review process is rooted in the belief that students are dynamic, multifaceted individuals who cannot be defined by any single factor, unquote. They are calling uh, a review, uh, they're calling the review of their uh, application, the review process, purposeful and nuanced respecting varied backgrounds, voices, and experiences. So what that means in the real world, I don't know. But you don't necessarily have to take the SAT or ACT for admission to Columbia University anymore. Kind of interesting. Now, again, that's only one Ivy League school that has decided to make that, uh, that change permanent. But you would think that maybe... Other Ivy League schools will follow, and if it's good enough for the Ivy League schools, then it's probably good enough for many other schools as well. So the the years of ACT and SAT testing may be numbered for college-bound students. So kind of interesting. And uh, here is something worth knowing on this Monday morning. Consider this. As you are rolling out of bed, getting ready to start your work week. You know, the 40-hour work week has been the standard for decades. Although, let's be honest, for many years, top-performing workers have actually been putting in far more hours than that, right? But officially, the 40-hour week. But in the last few years, Americans have been working less, according to the National Bureau of Economic Research. That agency reveals that between 2019 and 2022, so again, we're looking at pandemic years, Americans worked on average 33 fewer hours a year, which is probably not, I mean, it's not a whole lot in the larger scheme of things, 33 hours less per year, but the... uh, Pandemic and working from home for millions of people seems to have compounded the issue, according to uh, Anthony Klotz, professor of management at uh, UCL School of Management in London. And so, by the way, this is a uh, global trend, not just here in the U.S. There is a growing annoyance with work tasks that add no value to our lives, he says. The work from home period taught employees how much time was spent commuting chatting around the water cooler, and sitting in endless meetings. And American workers and global workers have come to the point where we just don't want to waste our time anymore. As normal office routines return, 
It says people are happy to come back to the office and perform their core job functions, but they don't have a lot of tolerance for things outside of that. Like if you're making me come into the office or attend an on-site meeting, it better be good. It better be for a good reason, not just having a meeting for the sake of having a meeting. To combat this, some companies have begun experimenting with a four-day week uh, work week and have found increased productivity because of it. Uh, they have also, uh, some companies have experimented with meeting-free days, designating certain days as guaranteeing that there will you know, not be any of those pointless meetings. So <laughs> they'll save the pointless meetings for other days, but on this day, we will have no pointless meetings. The pointless meetings will be... Tuesdays or whatever. So I don't know. It's just uh, more indication that uh, things, more indications, a couple of stories there on how things are changing, how the norms, uh, the uh, generally accepted norms are changing post-pandemic. We have COVID to thank. So kind of interesting. They're some of the most buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly cloudy today, high of 65, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 35. Registration is underway for Camp 911 in Hancock County. It's an interactive safety camp for kids entering kindergarten. At last year's camp, we spoke with Inspector Eric Wilkins with the Finley Fire Department as he was teaching the youngsters what to do in the event of a fire. Studies show that even adults, when you know, immense stress, like a smoke alarm in the middle of the night goes off, our cognitive abilities kind of uh, go away. You need that muscle memory to have trained to practice this kind of thing so that when it really does happen, you'll know what to do. Camp 911 is a joint effort led by local emergency response agencies like the Finley Fire and police departments. On our website, you can get more details about registration and see video from last year, including video of the youngsters checking out a life flight helicopter. Advocates for abortion access in Ohio are one step closer to getting an abortion rights issue on the fall ballot. Ohio's attorney general certified the language of the petition to make it happen. That petition would amend the state constitution to include the right to abortion. But before you can vote on it, it needs to be certified by the Ohio ballot board. And then it needs to get more than 420,000 signatures. I'm Lindsay Mills. President Biden says he will eventually pay a visit to East Palestine as cleanup continues following that toxic train derailment last month. As Biden was exiting a meeting with Senate Democrats, he was asked by a reporter if he would go to the site of the Norfolk Southern crash that led to toxic chemicals being released into the air and water. The president responded that he would indeed be journeying to Columbiana County, quote, at some point. But details of such a trip remain unknown, along with the exact date on when that might happen. Angela Ann, ONN News. ODOT's Transportation Review Advisory Council has approved the annual draft list of projects to receive funding over the next four years. On that list is the project to redo the Interstate 75 County Road 99 interchange on the north end of Findlay into a diverging diamond interchange. Transportation officials say the benefit of a DDI is that all traffic can enter the interstate in a free-flow movement to the ramps, which reduces long start and stop times. Get more on this upcoming project on our website. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
Well, you know, one bright spot to come out of the pandemic was that many employers began to take the mental health of their employees seriously. And to be clear, this is not just a pandemic-related issue. According to the World Health Organization, approximately 12 billion workdays are lost each year to conditions such as depression and anxiety. And joining us this morning with results of their 2023 State of Workforce Mental Health Report is Dr. Joe Grosso. Senior Director of Workforce Transformation at Lyra Health. Dr. Grasso, what did this report reveal about what is happening in the workplace with respect to mental health? Yeah, it was pretty eye-opening. We found that 86% of workers we surveyed had dealt with at least one mental health struggle in the past year. But only about 33% of those folks had actually sought care or treatment for that struggle. Hmm. And when you combine that with the fact that 60% of workers said, my mental health affects my ability to work, it really highlighted to us the importance of solving this issue, not only at the individual level, but at the organizational or employer level too. You say that the study shows that managers are bearing the brunt of this mental health crisis. Uh, how so and why? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. You know, managers feel the pinch because, as always, they're tasked with uh, the productivity of their team, making sure that their team is producing in a way that helps the business meet its main goals. But they're also responsible to their teams. And more than ever, employees are asking their managers to lead teams in ways that curb the risk of burnout and work distress, and and to help them prioritize their mental well-being. And so managers don't necessarily have the training or resources to address the ways that mental health can show up on teams, which is why employers really need to be stepping up their supports to managers so that managers don't feel caught off guard or ill-equipped to support their teams in the ways that employees need. Well, let me pick your brain a little bit with respect to that question of of understanding that you mentioned. It's obviously uh, easy to understand the physical risks to one's health uh, in a workplace setting. Um, And and that has long been a concern. Uh, How does one understand the mental health risks? It's a great question. When it comes to mental health risks, we should be thinking along the lines of prevention and what we know to be effective for preventing mental health risks as it relates to work really has to do with the fundamentals of good management, making sure that employees have very clear, uh, a clear understanding of their roles, that their workload is managed so that it's sustainable, that they get recognized when they do good work and that they're treated fairly and equitably. Also making sure that employees feel heard so that when they are struggling, they feel like they can speak up and ask for help and that they're not going to be penalized or uh, shamed for doing so. Creating a kind of work environment where people's work is, um, is supported with resources, good management practices, healthy workplace policies, this is how we go about addressing mental health risks in the workplace. 
uh, again, uh, along those same lines, contrasting this to the issue of physical risks in the workplace environment, we've had for uh, as long as anyone can remember uh, OSHA rules uh, to help protect uh, workers' physical safety at work. Do we need or might we see in the future rules to protect mental health in the workplace as well in a kind of a similar vein? I certainly hope so. Uh, the U.S. is actually behind other countries like Australia, hmm. Canada, U.K. in actually creating government regulations that compel employers to assess for the risks that I was mentioning and to take action on them. Uh, the U.S. Surgeon General just released a report that strongly recommended U.S. employers also do the same, but we don't yet have these regulations. But uh, I think there's more hope than ever that we might move in that direction. So that may be the future, but for the here and now, it kind of uh, depends on individuals to sort of uh, take the bull by the horns and, and do what they can to protect their own mental health. What can uh, individual workers do to do that? Yeah, it, it's a good point. And when it comes to workplace mental health, I really encourage employees to take care of themselves by doing what we know is good for all mental health needs, making sure you're getting uh, good exercise, good sleep, you're socializing, you're staying connected to loved ones, you're reminding yourself of things to be grateful for, but also recognize that when your work environment is causing undue stress that you alone can't fix, you're escalating those issues to a manager or HR when necessary. Because a lot of burnout is solved be, uh, beyond what the individual employee can do for themselves. It really requires the help of the workplace. And this is where uh, you know, managers are stepping up to hopefully recognize these signs early on and take maybe a proactive approach to protecting employees from risk of unnecessary stress and burnout. You know, and, and circling back to what we were saying earlier from the study that uh, managers are kind of bearing the brunt of this mental health crisis, I, I wonder if that actually is uh, contributing to it uh, for those for those managers. Um, how what what strategies would you have so that managers can protect the mental health of their teams that are under them and their own mental health as well? You're no doubt right. Managers are feeling the squeeze and it can't help but affect how they manage and how they work uh, with their teams. And so it really becomes important for managers to protect their own mental health and do it in ways that can create a win-win for manager and team. Things like making sure to take your vacation days. And when you do take days off, you're disconnecting fully from work. You model for the team what it looks like to be offline making sure you put boundaries around your work hours so that your team can see you modeling work-life balance versus sending emails at 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night yeah. consistently. And also just making sure that you're not going it alone as a manager. You model what it looks like to ask for help with sticky problems or complex issues because that's a lot of what drives workplace distress, people acting alone when they really need to be reaching out for more support. 
So I think this will be a, a wake-up call for a lot of folks, both workers and managers, who kind of see themselves in what we are talking about here. Dr. Joe Grasso, again, is Senior Director of Workforce Transformation at Lyra Health, talking about the results of their 2023 State of, Workplace, State of Workforce Mental Health Report. Where do we get more information, more strategies, more help in navigating all of these issues? Sure, to learn more about what we talked about, gain some more strategies, and read the report in full, you can go to lirahealth.com. That's L-Y-R-A health.com. Dr. Grasso, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Great question. So you might have heard about this. We were talking a bit about it in the news late last week. Dozens of colleges, universities, technical schools, and more will provide prospective students and their families with career planning resources at one of the area's largest college night events happening later on today at Owens Community College Findlay Campus. Uh, Aaron Kramer is Director of Admissions for Owens Community College with us uh, this morning. And uh, again, it is just to emphasize, this is not just Owens. Uh, you've got like 50 uh, different colleges, universities, all, really runs the gamut. Yes, we do. It's going to be a really exciting night on our Finley campus tonight. Um, we have about 50 colleges and then different branches of the military that will be there. Um, so if students are interested in talking to the college reps, they'll be right here in the Finley area tonight. So people from the Ohio State University, Oakland University, Baldwin-Wallace, Miami University, Defiance College, University of Toledo, um, many more. Um, those reps will be right here in the Finley area and available to talk to prospective students tonight. So talk a little bit about why uh, I, I remember what college nights were like uh, back when I was uh, junior, senior in high school. That's been many, many years ago. <laughs> Talk about what a college night uh, looks like today, given the fact that, you know, prospective students can really get a wealth of information on any institution they may be cons uh, considering or any career path they may be considering, uh, you know, online with a few clicks on the computer. Sure. Yeah. Well, we do find, you know, students do like to kind of do their research, do their homework online. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's nice to just have a person in front of you when you do have those questions. And especially for parents who, you know, might be from a who are from a different generation <laughs> than their kids. Right. And they would like to get in front of those um, college reps and ask those questions. And a couple of things that we do offer tonight that um, do make this kind of a more special evening is there are a couple presentations. Um, and one of them is on Financial Aid 101. And the director of our Student Financial Services Office is going to deliver that presentation. Because I know um, a lot of parents at this point in the game, they have a lot of questions about how to pay for school, sure. about the FAFSA, about how aid works, all that stuff. So we will have a presentation at 730 tonight about paying for school. And then we also have another presentation on career planning and that's the manager of our career service, career and transfer office. And she will be talking a little bit more about the career planning process and resources to help students who might be a little bit undecided. 
So we also have that stuff available. I, I was going to say, and that kind of speaks to the, the next question that I was going to ask. Uh, how do uh, prospective students and their families get the most out of an event like this? Kind of lay this out and, and maybe uh, help folks put together a game plan for uh, this event. Sure. Yeah. So it starts at 630 and the colleges will be all set up and ready to go. Um, and I would say students and their parents, if they can look at the website and if they just go to owens.edu slash college night, mm-hmm. or they can search in the Owens website, just college night, and they can see all of the colleges that will be there tonight. I will tell you, some of them have kind of waited until the last minute and are still registering like over the weekend. Yeah. So those aren't up on the website yet. But if they have colleges that they're thinking, okay, I really want to talk to Miami today, make sure, you know, they make a beeline to that Miami table. And if they are thinking, okay, I really want to hear the talk about um, financial aid, then kind of make out their schedule. Like, okay, I want to make sure I'm in there at 730 to hear that presentation, Mm -hmm. but really to maximize their time. And, you know, Owens will be there. All of our Owens departments will be there. So, um, our nursing program, our PTA program, all of the programs that students can start to finish right there on our Finley campus. So if students have questions about going to Owens, um, I know we have a lot of students that are interested in maybe going to Miami and then taking some classes at Owens in the summertime. And we are really great for that. So um, we will be there to answer questions about how that works, too. Yeah, that is uh, one thing that certainly has changed from uh, generations past is that there are any number of options for completing a career path. It is not necessarily uh, one size fits all where you graduate high school, you enroll in a four year college, you get your degree and you go to there are all kinds of different paths that are available based on what you want to do, what you can afford, uh, you know, all sorts of different factors to keep in mind. Oh, sure. Yes. And everybody kind of has a different path and parents and students are trying to navigate that and it can be really challenging. And so this is a great time to come, you know, and we have uh, marketed this event really for anybody in high school. I mean, I have a kid who's a sophomore And this is a great opportunity for them to find out a little bit more about careers. So if parents are thinking like, is it too early to go? No. I mean, if they're a sophomore or junior, this might be a great time Mm -hmm. to go and just explore and talk to the colleges and, you know, go to that career planning workshop that we have and learn a little bit more about degrees. And it's also going to teach people about resources that are out there to help those students kind of narrow in on a profession if they're like, I have no idea what I want to do. Right. And I think also um, a lot of parents think, okay, my my kid has to go to college. And, you know, that used to be totally true. And now there are so many paths, as you said, um, maybe a student wants to go into healthcare. And yes, they have to go to college, they have to get good training, but they don't need that bachelor's degree necessarily. They can go and they can get an associate's degree or, and they can be a dental hygienist yeah. or an ultrasound tech or, and they can make a very good living doing yeah. that. Or they don't necessarily need that degree right away in order to get started on that career path. You can always go back and, and get that later, which also brings up the, uh, the point again, we talk about uh, high school students who are considering their career path, but if somebody has taken a year or two off post high school or even several years off and is maybe looking uh, at uh, at going back to school or changing careers, there's going to be information uh, that will be valuable uh, in that regard as well, right? 
Oh, yes. Yeah. And you make a really good point, because I think with the pandemic and all that we've gone through in the last three years, sure. you know, a lot of students, they graduated and they were like, no, thank you. I don't want to do this online stuff anymore. But I think we are finding right now that a lot of students are thinking, oh, OK, I've been maybe working at Amazon or I've been working at a factory for a couple of years and maybe this isn't what I want to do for my life. So maybe now is a good time to go back to school. And I mean, now is a great time. And this is a great event to come and just find out what's out there. You know, what are some opportunities that students have? And, and so, you know, I encourage everybody to come on out tonight. And uh, again, because there are so many uh, institutions participating uh, in this, again, colleges, universities, technical schools, the military, you mentioned, uh, it's a real wealth of uh, possible career paths uh, that you can explore and, um, you know, kind of just find out what is available and, and what is out there. A lot of other uh, information as well, as you were mentioning. Now, there are actually, I want to get all of the details here real quickly. There are actually two events, the first of which uh, is this evening at the Owens-Findlay campus. Give us the details on that. Yeah, so tonight's event is from 6.30 to 8 on our Findlay campus at okay. the Community Education and Wellness Center, and that's on Bright Road in Findlay. And yep, 6.30 to 8. You don't necessarily have to get there right at 6.30. Um, the colleges will be there until 8 o'clock. The presentations, you know, the career planning presentation is at 7 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And the financial aid 101 presentation is at 7.30. And then if folks can't make the one this evening, you do have uh, a second event, a uh, similar event at the Toledo campus on what, Wednesday, right? We do. Yeah. It's going to be a busy week for us. At Owens. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Wednesday night, same time, 630 to 8 okay. um, at our Toledo campus. Um, so in the uh, Student Health and Activity Center, uh, we'll have pretty much the same colleges, a couple more um, that I know of that will be in the Toledo area okay. um, that night. But same presentations. Um, we will actually have a presentation on skilled trades. Um, in the Toledo area, because we do have our new um, Dana Center for Advanced Manufacturing Training. Okay. Um, so we have some folks from that facility um, give a presentation that night. All right. So uh, you can go to one, the other, or both. We've got a link up on our webpage for more information about the Owens Community College College Night events happening today and Wednesday at the Findlay and Toledo campuses, respectively. A lot of good information for prospective students and their families. And again, Aaron Kramer is Director of Admissions for Owens Community College. Aaron, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Have a great Monday. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. So a California man has uh, pleaded guilty to charges that he defrauded investors out of nearly $9 million. You want to know what the uh, scam was? He apparently told investors he was going to turn cow droppings into energy now on the surface this actually sounds like like a like a pretty good idea according to the u.s attorney's office the eastern district of california 66 year old raymond brewer had promised those who bought in to his idea that he would build anaerobic digesters in other words machines that convert cow patties into uh, methane gas, which in turn could be sold as energy. 
he collected nearly $9 million between 2014 and 2019, but instead of fulfilling his promises, he spent the money on things like a new home and cars and not cars powered by cow methane either. That's... <laughs> he collected the money but didn't collect the cow patties, so... When investors asked for updates, Mr. Brewer sent fake invoices, fake construction schedules, fake reports, and so on and so forth. He is scheduled to be sentenced on June 26th in a real court, not in a fake court. In a real court, he faces two 20-year sentences and over a half a million dollars in fines. (laughs) It sounded like a good idea. It sounded... Like a reasonable uh, idea. Uh, Let's see what else is going on in the broken news this morning. If a Florida woman has her way, March 10th, we're coming up on March 10th, and if a Florida woman has her way, that day will someday be observed as National Sugar Daddy Appreciation Day. (laughs) In a video posted online young woman identifying herself as ashley cream informed attendees at a recent local board meeting that boca raton is home to the largest per capita population of sugar daddies in the u.s uh she was accompanied in her presentation by an unidentified elderly man and went on to point out that Sugar Daddy Appreciation Day would honor those who have given so much to help support the local economy. She noted that these noble citizens are responsible for college educations, cars, homes, vans, jets, and the occasional body enhancement. <laughs> and the occasional body enhancement. <laughs> Um, and by the way, just because it, we shouldn't be sexist about this, it would not only be Sugar Daddy Appreciation Day, it would be Sugar Mommy Appreciation Day as well, because why should one gender have all the fun? <laughs> and the occasional body enhancement. <laughs> so we'll see if that goes anywhere. <clears throat> Get ready to celebrate. The uh, spring is coming, and you know that wild animals are going to be more active. The bears, for example, will be coming out of hibernation. And the National Park Service is reminding everyone about bear safety in the springtime. The agency posted a tweet on uh, social media last week reminding, <laughs> reminding visitors to never push a slower friend down if, <laughs> if you encounter a bear in the wild. That is, even if you feel the friendship has run its course, (laughs) don't push a slower friend down when encountering a bear. Um, Seriously, uh, it is a a problem in the national parks, but uh, some Twitter users uh, seem to be interested in the agency's friendship advice. One even asked what to do in case they happen to be the slower friend, to which the NPS replied, Check in on the friendship before heading into the woods. Or if if you're if you know that you are the slower friend, maybe uh, avoid going into the woods with, with an acquaintance. 
Good advice. Good, solid advice there. Um, speaking of uh, animals, this and the wild, uh, this is kind of crazy. When when people think of man's best friend, they think of, of dogs, right? And if you were to get lost in the woods, for example, uh, maybe your dog would come to your rescue, lead rescuers to your location and so on. Well, a man in Pleasant Valley, California, was rescued by firefighters after falling 30 feet down a ravine and has his pet cat to thank. Captain Jacob Pagansky of the El Dorado County Fire Protection District tells uh, local news reporters that the unidentified man was feared missing until his cat reportedly led his wife and neighbor to his location. Rescuers found that the man had fallen uh, down a 30-foot ravine into a few inches of water. He was carried about 400 yards out to a waiting ambulance and flown to a local medical center. No details about his current condition, but uh, assuming that he's going to recover, he has his cat to thank. That's pretty cool. Who needs a dog? You've got a good kitty. Uh, Let's see. California couple suing a Hawaii tour company. Have you heard about this? California couple suing a tour company in Hawaii saying, (laughs) saying that the tour company left the couple in the ocean during a snorkeling trip. They just left them there in the middle of the ocean. Elizabeth Webster and Alexander Alexander Burkle are asking for $5 million from Sale Maui. They claim that in September of 2021, they were stranded after their boat left for a new snorkeling location without them. The crew members claim they did a head count, but apparently it wasn't too accurate of a count. Uh, Jessica Herbert, who was uh, also on the tour, said the whole thing was very disorganized Everybody kept moving around, so it was easy to get missed in the headcount. The couple ended up swimming for hours, eventually reaching shore, where they were assisted by local residents. And uh, they're fine, obviously, but (laughs) they're suing the tour company in Hawaii for leaving them in the ocean. (laughs) Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. And finally, in the broken news this morning, in Lynchburg, Tennessee, they have a real interesting problem near the Jack Daniels distillery. A whiskey fungus has been covering homes, cars, and even trees in the area. Vapors, apparently, vapors from the whiskey barrels are accelerating the growth of the fungus throughout the community. And apparently this fungus is very resilient. While there are no known negative effects on humans, locals have had to power wash their homes to get rid of the nasty substance. Folks in the area have asked Jack Daniels to cover the cost of washing their homes, and one has gone so far as to sue to uh, recover the cost incurred. Uh, Could it be a nuisance? Yeah, Uh, Jack Daniels representative admits that, yeah, it is a nuisance, but it can be easily remedied by having it washed off. And (laughs) as nuisances go, that's uh, that's fairly mild. You know what I mean? Maybe they could supply them with uh, free Jack Daniels. 
Uh, you still have the uh, fungus, but you wouldn't care. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines brought to you as a public service. Uh, sort of. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. You can help recognize outstanding teachers in Finley and Hancock County. Nominate a current teacher who made a difference in your life for the Finley Rotary Club's Golden Apple Awards. Place your nomination online at finleyrotary.org. That's finleyrotary.org. Nomination deadline is April 7th. Please promote the work, dedication, and achievements of all teachers by nominating an excellent teacher for the Golden Apple Awards. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. The world is round and apparently getting rounder. That is the takeaway from experts behind this year's World Obesity Report. And this is really alarming. The reason we bring this up and and highlight this, the World Obesity Report says that if trends continue, 51% of the global population could be obese by 2035. Let me say that again. By 2035, if current trends continue, more than half the majority of the global population could be obese The World Obesity Foundation's findings further state that the economic impact of the health condition, the health impact of this, could top, are you ready for this, $4.32 trillion by 2035 if we don't get into better shape. This is what we're looking at in terms of the economic impact. The Think Tank's report notes that childhood obesity rates are skyrocketing, not just in the United States. And for a long time, that's been the concern, that American kids are getting bigger and struggling with their weight. But it's not just American kids. Around the world, childhood obesity rates are skyrocketing. And by 2035, it could double from even the level of childhood obesity that we saw in 2020. So just in 15 years, could double. There could be some 208 million obese boys and 175 million girls in that category, which would be respectively a 100% and 125% increase from just three years ago, 2020. The experts also noted that lower income countries are getting fatter faster. Of the 10 countries with exploding rates of obesity, nine are from lower- or middle-income countries in either Asia or Africa. Professor Louise Bauer, president of the World Obesity Federation, says the report is a clear warning that something must be done, and particularly worrying to see obesity rates rising fastest among children and adolescents, which doesn't bode very well for not only the current generation, but the future generation as well. Joanna Ralston CEO of the World Obesity Federation, added to that by saying the economic impact of obesity is not the fault of individuals living with the disease. It's the result of high-level failures to provide the environmental, health care, food, and support systems that we all need to live happy, healthy lives. She goes on to add that governments and policymakers around the world need to do all they can urgently at the systems and root factors 
that contribute to obesity and actively involving young people in the solutions. If we act together now, they say, we have the opportunity to help billions of people in the future. Billions of people who could be uh, impacted by this. The World Obesity Report for 2023 sounding a pretty dire alarm about the struggle with our collective weight worldwide. You know, we were talking a little bit the other day about how the minute the weather breaks, even for a day or two, people immediately start thinking about their spring and summer travel plans. And if you're looking for a spot that is perhaps a little off the beaten path, something where you can avoid all of the typical resort crowds and have a unique vacation experience, Jillian Marks is with us this morning from Newfoundland and Labrador Tourism. Jillian, what is unique about a Newfoundland and Labrador vacation? Well, that's a great question. Uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. Labrador is most easterly province in Canada. We have the island of Newfoundland and the mainland portion of Labrador. We have 18,000 miles of coastline, so outstanding coastal hiking and uh, sea kayaking. Labrador is literally one of the world's last great frontiers, and it's home to ancient indigenous culture. We've got four UNESCO World Heritage Sites and uh, UNESCO geoparks that are magnificent. So um, you can hike to the top of the bottom of the earth in Grossmore National Park on the Tableland Mountains, which are an example of the earth's mantle at the surface. The only authenticated Viking settlement in North America at Lansa Meadows. Red Bay is a national historic site on the south coast of Labrador, and that's where they harvested whale oil that literally lit the streets of Europe in the 16th century. Mm. And then we have Mistaken Point, which is an ecological reserve. The fossils there are considered the um, first organisms. They're 550 million-year-old fossils. So it, it's really, when you get here, the landscape in and of itself lets you know that you are somewhere very special. Yeah. But we're right on your doorstep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's accessible. See, I, and this is probably not the first destination that comes to mind when people think about a coastal vacation or even a Canadian uh, vacation uh, for that matter. And I, I would guess uh, in some sense uh, you would like it that way. I mean, obviously, uh, the point of having you on the program is to encourage people to go and discover this uh, uh, great uh, place to to visit at the same time you don't want too many people that's part of the charm well it really is but it's a huge landmass this is this place is about the size of japan uh, and we have 530,000 people here we're mostly coastally settled in what we call outports so there there's lots of space there's lots of Space to explore, um, and uh, yes, we we definitely want people to come. But it's a special place. It's not for everyone. If you like the, the culture, the hiking, mm-hmm. um, the culinary scene is fantastic. This is a place for you to come experience these um, kind of once in a lifetime opportunities. You got ten thousand year old icebergs that drift south and the largest concentration of humpback whales that migrates north and their paths cross right off our shores. There's a 
over 20 different species of whales that come hmm. here. So it's really uh, a great outdoors experience. Wow. So you were mentioning a number of the attractions, a number of the things that uh, people might be interested in to do. What would be on your list of must-see, must-do experiences uh, in this region in Newfoundland and Labrador? One of my favorite places is Grossmoor National Park, and it turns 50 years old this year. Grossmoor has a great culture, cultural scene. You're always going to find some fabulous music along the way. It has mountains that are spectacular. Uh, That's where Tableland Mountains is. Um, It is also um, um, beautiful coastal hiking there. There's fjords, inland fjords that can rival anything in Norway that are just spectacular. It's also home to Writers at Woody Point, which is a festival, a literary festival that's turning 20 years old this year. So nestled in this beautiful little community of Woody Point that's quite historical, and you can see that in the architecture, you get these international authors who are coming to read from their new publications. There's always great music there. And you can even go on a hike in the woods with an author and a musician. Hmm. And it is a really unique experience to um, to have. There's great indigenous experiences in Grossmorn area as well. So Discover Mechapisk is um, offered by Grossmorn Adventures. And uh, that really takes you through like the marine life, the hunting fields areas, um, the cooking experiences of our indigenous people. So there's a little bit of everything there. St. John's, of course, is the capital city. Mm -hmm. There's great culture and experience and literally all these kinds of experience, hiking right on your doorstep, but the culinary scene is um, outstanding in mm. St. John's. It's a great, great little city of um, of creature comforts and yeah. culture and, yeah, history. Uh, just uh, sounds absolutely fabulous. So we throw all of this stuff out at folks and all of the possibilities that exist. Where do we get more information and try and whittle this down and plan our trip? So our website is uh, always being updated and uh, NewfoundlandLabrador.com. So it is N-E-W-F-O-U-N-D-L-A-N-D-L-A-B-R-A-D-O-R. So I say Newfoundland, but it's spelled Newfoundland, just to be clear. M-1-800-563-N-S-L-D. And we've got... Uh, travel counselors waiting to answer your questions. Just a, a fabulous destination that you might not have thought of. Again, Jillian Marks with uh, Newfoundland and Labrador Tourism this morning. Jillian, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for your time. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Once again, remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. You can also connect with us on social media, sign up for a daily email newsletter and more. Again, goodmornings.net is our little corner of the World Wide Web. Check us out online. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.